This is a podcast. Yeah, it is. I may have started too early this time. No, I don't think you did. Okay. <laughs> Fascinating. <laughs> we'll leave that in. All right. Uh, We're classy. Yes. So. And we've not been drinking, by the way. Well, I know. I've been drinking Dr. Pepper, you've been drinking water. It's a sober podcast. It's too hot to drink. Okay. When the sun goes down. Um, so I got a question for you. Do you ever think about or feel this way? How lucky we are to have been born in California. Or do you I, think that I you do. would be the same person if you were born in, you know, small town Illinois or something? I wouldn't be as bronze and tan as I am. The the listeners, a, the listeners yeah. can't see your facial expression. <laughs> I'm there. looking for the I guess the arms, you know. Yeah. yeah. You're a sexy man. Thank you. Okay. Um, <laughs> right back at you. I was thinking about this last weekend when we were in LA. Like, we could pick up Fly for 45 minutes and go to some Dodger games, go to Hollywood, you know, or Universal, whatever that was, where we saw the movie. Mm -hmm. Like, if you lived in the middle of nowhere, you know, in the middle of the country, to get to some, you know, big amusement park or professional Mm -hmm. sports event or whatever would be, like, a significant drive. The other thing, I bet no one's ever said this, but we're pretty lucky to have been born in Sacramento. Wow. I mean... I would love to hear this explanation. Well, okay... Not to diss Sacramento, because... Over time, I'm enjoying it more. Like, I love the area where we live. This morning, we just got on our bikes and rode and went and had breakfast. And then Your rode Harleys? Yes. <laughs> and then rode a little more and went to Anytime Fitness. Oh, yeah. Folsom yeah. 65th. Mm-hmm. Because uh, we're looking into joining, getting a membership there. So we go to Anytime Fitness. I'm just taking the story here, by the way. Go and, for it. Uh, Is it open 24 hours? Is that the Anytime? Well... You would think. <laughs> right. So we get there. I mean, 3 a.m. Because Amanda, the Amanda had done some research, and it was like, oh, you know, you can get a, you can do a free trial thing for a week, see how you like it, and then right. whatever. So we go there. Our bikes, you know, get there with our bikes. We're like, wow, it's not very crowded at all. There's, like, very few people here. You know, that's great. So on yeah. and so forth. We get to the door, and we see the hours posted. Sundays, it says, uh, not staffed. So, like... They, I mean, they have cameras there, so you can go and steal stuff. Right. And they, when you get a membership, you have a little like fob that helps you, that makes you open the door automatically. Okay. So no one can just come in and out. So you can still use it. It's you can still use no it. There's just there. no one there to help you or anything like that. But obviously, if I want to get a membership or trial membership, you Sunday's gotta, not the day to do it. You got to talk to someone. So yeah. you know, we rode our bikes all the way there, thinking, well, it's anytime fitness. There's obviously going to be people there. Do you think that That's when you strike one? Do you think when you are a member, you would ride your bike to the gym and then work out? I don't. Oh. And Amanda and I have been talking about this. She said that she thinks she probably might. Because that would be awesome. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, it's not like it's too far. It's like two miles. Yeah. We It took us like 12 minutes maybe to, to when we rode home. Right. Um, but I think most of the time I go will be after work. Mm. On my way home from work. Yeah. that You got to do that. Yeah. That's what I used to do. So. If you in, go home and they're like, oh, I'll change and I'll go. No way. You're not going to no go. No way. Yeah. So in that sense, I don't think I will do it very often. The only time would be like on the weekends or something. But Is your bike a cruiser? It is a cruiser. Yeah. That's what mine is. Um, and I enjoy cruising with yeah. that bike. Yeah. But anyway, we were getting back to what you were saying about how great Sacramento is. Oh, so... If I didn't already make the case for it. <laughs> well, there's Anytime Fitness, which I think is pretty cool. <laughs> Six out of seven days is cool. Two named magazines, like we mentioned in the last podcast. <laughs> true. Sacramento and Sactown. Indeed. Uh, no, my thing was, we're a quick flight away from L.A., Mm-hmm. We're a quick drive to Tahoe True. to go skiing. Or San Francisco. Or San Francisco, where there's, many to do. where there's a lot of professional sports events and things. Um, I mean, 
you know, Napa, Amador. Yep. There's a lot of like wine country. You're you get the benefit of being close enough to do things in the Bay Area without the uh, high cost of living Indeed. of the Bay Area. Indeed, it's it's a pretty great it place. Is. But I mean, my main point I was thinking of last weekend was just how great it is to be born in California. Definitely, and how how much life would be different. We would probably podcast every day, twice a day, if we lived in if we lived Bumble in, Tit. Somewhere. Yeah, because we'd have nothing to do. I mean, we can watch the corn grow, or yeah. we can you know turn out podcasts. We'd probably be like meth heads or something. We can't be meth heads here. <laughs> we can. Okay. Just the likelihood. Sacramento has meth. Oh yeah. How, oh, dare, yeah, it how dare you imply? But otherwise. there are things to do aside from meth that allow oh, us right, to not like, necessarily go down that road, like sell meth. So we don't have to always be doing the meth. Indeed. I got it. We can break it up a little bit from time to time. We're breaking up? <laughs> Sorry. I, I try to have as much emotion as I could <laughs> in my voice. I figured this was the best way to tell you. Not having emotions, it was tough. <laughs> okay. Let so me was that you your question? What? That was my question. Did I answer your California question? California is great. Yes, you, yeah. you have thought of it before that you've acknowledged how lucky we are. I'm now going to respond to your question with a question. Okay. Did you think of that question for the sole purpose of coming up with a song for the podcast? No. Okay. I didn't, but I'm writing that down now. Can I make a request? You not play that Katy Perry song or whatever? Is it Katy Perry? What? California Girls. Yeah, done. With It's spelled like G-U-R-L-Z. Does the confused look on my oh, face? God, yeah, I've seen that on the like iTunes top ten songs yeah. list or whatever. Here's the thing. I was going to find something from Key Dollar Sign Ha. <laughs> um... I know that, that I myself are, is, am guilty of liking some of these, but I feel like making a song that specifically names places uh-huh. is very cheap. It's a very like cheap way of trying to get people to like the song. Like, right. oh, California. Like, everyone in California is going to love this song. The Jay-Z song, Empire State of Mind, talking about New York. Well, obviously everyone in New York is going to love this song, right. and it's going to be popular there. I, of course, love California Love. Which is a great song, but yeah. you know the fact they mention oh Sacramento, where are you at? Oakland, all the, you know it it makes a direct connection to all those people, and therefore kind of falsely increases the likability, like ownership of it. Yeah, yeah, I don't like that. Yeah, I agree. That is kind of a hack move. I definitely Tupac, you're better than that. Yeah. Also, I think one of the worst ones, even though it wasn't a specific uh, place, was Smash Mouth's All Star. Hey, now you're an all-star right. thing. Because like every all-star game now, they're like, oh, oh what's a right. good situation for this? Or, or like making like, a graduation song or, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. Very, yeah, that's very, yeah, write a song that you intend for certain events. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's not do that. I wonder if when Queen did We Are the Champions, if they, if they thought that. Hmm. They had the foresight to know just how often that would be played. What if they didn't and it like really annoys them that it's constantly played? I hate getting all these residuals for the song. Do you, I mean, do they really get residuals every time, you know, Staples Center plays it or something? I doubt it. Maybe not Staples Center. Right. Although they do play it a lot there. Hey, yo! Right. Yeah, I get it, yeah. All right. Um, At the Clippers games? Yes. <laughs> the world champion Clippers. Yeah. Back to back, baby. All right. So um, I want to talk today about a recent cinematic experience that I had. Okay. Friday night, lights. I went to see Inception. Oh, you did, and and it was amazing. I thought you were gonna say phenomenal. It was phenomenal, tremendous. So it it did. Now we're gonna have this discussion without giving away any like plot twists. 
Is that possible? Yeah, yes. Should um, I leave the room for this podcast? <laughs> you should leave the room for every podcast. Okay. Um, so we went to see it at Century, not on IMAX or anything like that. Okay. I think it would be great to see it on IMAX. Now, on IMAX, is it 3D? No, or is it it's just not 3D. Big? No, it's just big. All right. Yeah, I'm not um, as impressed with that. Yeah. It, it, it's not one of the ones where you need to see it on IMAX for it to really be... I'd only be impressed with that, or any movie really, on IMAX. If um, if it was like that thing at, at California Adventure, the soaring over California, if like you're in where a you chair that kind of moves, and, like you feel yeah. like you're moving, that type yeah. of thing, that would be cool. Well, it was so crowded that we, we had to sit in the very front row. Wow. And at the beginning, I was like... I, I was the one who made the decision. Amanda was like, no, let's just wait till the next showing. And I was like, no, that'll be fine. And at first... How long before the next showing? Like, like two hours or like ten minutes? Like 50 minutes. Oh, that's, that's a long time. It is a long time. To play Ninja Cop. Indeed. Or Panda Bear Cop. Indeed. Um, so, so we sit in the front row, and in the previews, there's a lot of like motion stuff. Because, you know, with the previews, it's quick cut right. editing. And I can't watch that And I'm like, oh, this might be trouble. But by the time the movie started, it was totally fine. Um, anyway... It and wait, Friday was the oh, it opened. It was the opening day. Wow! I know I braved the thing yeah. that you I would, would not never. Do. How was the crowd? Chatty. It was fine. There was nobody in front of me. Well, All I had in front of me was the movie screen. Yeah, so whatever. and there was nothing behind me that ever distracted me. Oh. So in that sense, sitting in the front was actually a good experience. Okay then. Um, I compare this watching experience, I guess, to the first time that I saw The Matrix. Okay. And if you know how I feel about The Matrix, that is a very high compliment, because it's one of my top five, if not top three movies of all time. Interesting. Okay. And There's a sentiment we do not share. That's fine. The, re- the reason that it was so, that, that I compare it to that is both stories have um, some visually stimulating, you know, kind of, oh wow, that's so cool how they do that, or whatever. It was so like like the Matrix where he bends and the bullets whiz past. Him, it was like that it, kind of thing. Well, in, in it's if in comparing the two movies, the Matrix was much more about the visuals right. than Inception is, oh, which okay. is interesting because all the previews for Inception really seem to play up the visual part of it. Yeah, but you that's know, just to get people to come, right. right? But you see all the slow motion stuff and everything, and and I would say in in the Matrix. A lot of it was visual, but there was also the story, the really unique story and everything. And Inception, there's both of those. There's the visual and the story. But whereas Matrix was seemed to be more about the visuals, that was really the memorable part of it because mm-hmm. so much of it was groundbreaking. With Inception, it's much more the storyline. Well, I like that then. I yeah. like that, that the visuals are used to tell the story and not, you know... They don't shape the story based no, on what they can not. do with the visuals definitely not. or something. And I think... Maybe earlier on you get some of that visual stuff, and and there's not uh, unfortunately there's not too many visual like crazy stuff that isn't that you don't get some of in the previews. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really wish, in some sense, that the previews had been different. Maybe had given away less. Not that it took away from the movie at all, really. But you know the 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 visuals that you see in the in the previews that draw you in. You're not getting a whole lot more than that in terms of visuals. Right. You get a lot more in terms of story, which is really the best. Part oh, so with the visuals, it's like when a, a comedy shows all the funny scenes in the trailer, and then when you watch the movie, you're like, "Oh, I've already seen all these." Well, except that when you go to see a comedy, you go for the funny lines. Mm. In this case, that's true. The the visuals are nice, but that's a companion piece to right. the better part of it. 
So the visuals are great, but there's there's none of the like huge ones that you didn't already have a clue of or something. Yeah, maybe a little bit, but not too much. Yeah, um, that's forgivable. Yeah. Especially um, if the story is good. The story is great. It's so unique. And I was thinking about it earlier. The director is Christopher Nolan, who right. directed Memento and Prestige right. and Dark Batman. Knight. Yeah. And I was thinking back to those, and I believe... I mean, obviously, he... In terms of... Uh, in terms of Dark Knight, it wasn't like his real original story too much. Right. I mean, to some degree, but obviously, Batman or Batman and the Joker and everything is not his yeah, original yeah, idea. Yeah. The Prestige was already a book, so that okay. wasn't something he came up with. And I want to say that Memento was actually written by his brother. Hmm. So did so, he write so Inception? So my understanding is that Inception was originally written by him. Oh, okay. I could be wrong, but I don't think that I am. Is there some sort of big twist? There, um, not really. Not like okay. to the extent of like Usual Suspects or Success or something like that. No, I wouldn't know. I mean, there are okay. secrets that are revealed, right. but not not things that like will totally shake your perception of the whole rest of the movie. Really, I feel that that Christopher Nolan is getting this reputation much like uh, M Night Shyamalan had in the late '90s when he made one or two good movies. Mm-hmm. Where it was like, oh, you know, it'll it'll totally mindfuck you at the end because everything you thought you knew is gone. But... Well, I think the whole movie is that way. But I feel like I feel like Christopher Nolan's doing it much better. Yeah, and I feel like also he's not. They're not playing on that in like the advertising. Definitely, they were talking about this. I think on Adam Kroll or something recently. Like, given his last few movies, why would you advertise this The Last Airbender as like from M Night Shyamalan or whatever? Right. Because his last few movies haven't done that well. Right. Like. You should right. kind of maybe bury that or something, yeah. but but I feel like this guy's movies are always good. Yeah, even absolutely. when they're either original stories or, uh, or Batman franchise definitely. movies. Yeah. Well, and the filmmaking itself is is tremendous. You know, the visuals, the way the story is put together, the way it's filmed. Um, the 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 story is very unique, and I feel like it's it is complex. Within about ten fifteen minutes of watching it, I turned to Amanda and I was like. We're definitely going to have to watch this again. In the same way (laughs) that it was with The Prestige. Yeah. Um, Just because, and and I felt very similar to the beginning of that story, where even in the first couple of minutes, there's stuff going on. You're like, I really don't don't understand what's going on right now. And I know that by the end of the movie, I sort of will, but I'll have to watch it again to be able to get it from the very beginning. It's like watching Usual Suspects for the second time. You pick up on so much more throwaway type things than, than you would have having not known the ending. Right. Um, you know, I'd say the comparison to Usual Suspects is better, even though there's not a big twist at the end, but, like, with Shyamalan, I felt like the whole story was just prologue to the big twist at the end. Right. The whole movie was about the big twist, as opposed to everything else. Right. Um, so anyway, the other, the other thing that I really like about, the other thing that I really like about it and the story is I feel like it's kind of intelligently elitist. And I actually saw a thing online today. I didn't fully read it, but it was like, is Inception too intelligent for viewers or something like that? Like, it it, it can be something that is very confusing so, if, if you don't follow along. It, so is that saying it's or, not the usual dumbed-down summer movie, like Cops and Robbers shootout that anyone can watch? 
Like you really need to oh, go. Definitely. You really need to go with the intent of watching and following oh, along the movie. Absolutely. You can't go and want to text your friends and stuff. Yeah, that's yeah. good. I mean, oh, I, I, definitely. I support intelligent and elitism. There's, there's the 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 thing with it is there there's levels to it. There's levels, like literally, there are levels within the the plot line, and um, and there another thing that's like the Matrix is. They've basically created this other world in which this um, technology is possible, right? right? Just like with the Matrix. And so with that comes some explanation of how it works. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like I can I can explain this to you a little bit without giving away the plot or anything. Yeah, I'll take it. Uh, um, the, the idea in this world that they're in, which isn't necessarily futuristic or anything, it's just the world they live in. Um, it's like a parallel universe or something? Because I mean, it looks I mean, like New York City. It, you're right. It's the same thing, except there is this technology that has been created whatever, right? where, yeah, you, you basically sedate people and you connect them to each other through this machine and allows you to access the dreams of someone. Okay? And the idea is the character played by Leonardo DiCaprio is what's called an extractor. Mm-hmm. And what an extractor does is they go into this person's dreams and the the idea is, you know, you can protect your secrets, but in the dream world or in your subconscious, it's harder for you to protect yourself in that way. Like you can go in and find that information. Right. And so what he does is he goes in and he gets this information and then, you know, he works for a company and sells, you know, figures out what they're doing and, and, and sells that information. Now, wait, does, does the information he can extract have to be part of the dream the person's having or is it just when you're dreaming all your guard is let down and so he can go access things they yeah the way it works is um the person who whose mind you're accessing is not really it is not exactly like the active dreamer you are there there's someone else that's involved called an architect and the architect actually creates this construct that the person is dreaming within okay so another person that's connected, I know it's, it's, yeah, I, it's, so the, this, I already need to have this conversation a second time. Yeah. The other person creates this arc, the, the, this architect creates this kind of, this world. Uh-huh. And the person who, who, who you're trying to get the information from is, is in that world, but they're, they're only controlling it like through their subconscious. And so their subconscious then creates like the people in it, populates it, stuff like that. But it's all very, um, kind of low level it's not as complex and so the idea is they have to have these architects who are very clever and very skilled to create this dream world so that they don't really realize they're in a dream and you can get the information from them because they think they're in reality or so on and so forth so anyway um what the what the movie about is not extraction it's about inception and inception is this idea that it, well, there's this idea that that inception is possible, and they're not sure if inception inception is possible or not. The idea of inception is not that you go into someone's mind and you take out an idea or information; it's that you're planting an idea in okay. someone's mind. And so, one of the main characters kind of hires them to plant an idea in a competitor's mind that will then, you know, be profitable for him. Right. And so it's this these efforts to do so and. And what's involved with that. Hmm. So yeah, I mean, it is complex. And like I right. said, there's a lot of rules and, and explanation that you have to follow along with. And um, 
you know, they, there are various characters that, that, that take the time to explain it as it goes along. What happens is they bring in a new architect, and that architect is the character played by Ellen Page. Uh-huh. And so, so kind of through her figuring out what happens, we as the audience figures out what, what's happening. Is she sassy in that, like, Gilmore Girls way that she was? She's is? not. She's great. I, I was, I, she is probably really? the most surprising in terms of greatness of acting. I mean, she, you know, she was acclaimed for Juno or whatever, but it's obviously, obviously very different than that. All of the acting jobs are phenomenal. She surprised me the most. She, you know, I mean, it's not like she has all these moments where she's, you know, crying or weeping or doing all this stuff, but, but she's very, very good. Um, and is I was it, pleased. Is it a long movie? It's two and a half hours. But it doesn't drag at all. That's good. Then. I mean, it's something where you feel like they could have made it another hour long, um, you know, and added additional things. And, um, but, but yeah, it doesn't drag at all. That's good. Um, some, someone that I was surprised to see in it, and, and at first didn't even recognize, uh, Tom Berenger. Really? I thought you would appreciate the that. Substitute the Tom substitute Berenger? Tom Berenger, a.k.a. Sniper. I enjoy, was he, Sniper? he was. Yeah. I enjoy some Tom Berenger. Yeah. So, you know, and I never was really a fan of Joseph Gordon-Levitt, but I liked him. He was good in it. What? You're not a fan of his? Yeah, it's true. What, he was on the... Third Rock from the, the Lithgow Alien. Yeah. 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 Which I never really watched. No. But yeah. But, uh... Yeah, he's good. They're all really good in it. The the one of the things also that le- that that makes you leave the theater you know, on such a positive note is is the ending. Okay. Okay. And it is not that it is a surprise twist ending or anything like that. But I really can't remember any other film that had such a powerful response from everyone in the theater at the very end of the movie. And I, and I, I hesitate – in some sense I wanted to hesitate to tell you this because I, yeah. I don't want you to go into it and be like, oh, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? Right, right, right. But, but uh, the very, very end, you're, you're very engrossed all the way to the, to the end little cut credits. And there's obviously something about it where you're able to tell that the entire audience is the same way? Well, like audibly, I, there Everyone was like gasp or there something. was like, yes, there was, there was stuff that was said or spoken or, or resp- you could sense and hear and feel the response from everyone in the theater at the very end of it. Wow. Yeah. Even though they were all sitting behind me. Were they all booing? No, not at all. Not at all. Throwing buckets of popcorn um, Now, in thinking about that and how great that ending was, I also, earlier today, a man and I caught the end of one of the poorest named films, I think, of all time, or, or misnamed films of all time, Primal Fear, mm-hmm. which has an amazing ending. Right. Love the ending. Right. Young Edward Norton, very, very good. Primal Fear kind of sounds like I'm stuck in a jungle with tigers or dinosaurs that are trying to kill me or something. Well, I thought that was where, and I haven't seen it in a long time, but I thought that was referring to like something within the mind, you know, like it's... It's not just he was scared of whatever, but like this primal fear took over, and that's what caused him to create this other personality or something. Really? I don't know. I haven't seen it in a long time. Can you admit that it's kind of poorly named, though? Like, yeah, but I mean, it primal... also came out the same time as the movie Fear, <laughs> right? which I think is kind of. Ironic. I thought it was the sequel. <laughs> yeah. Um, like this, aliens. This time it's not just fear. It's primal. I don't think primal fear necessarily means like jungle or primate. Fear no, I understand anything, that, but, but I mean, it's it's like something you know, internal. The, the fight and, or flight, you know, right. it's very primal instinct and that kind of right. thing. Right, but 
to reference something that really isn't, if that's what it's referencing, it's something that's not even really revealed until at least halfway through the film, right? Right. So. Yeah. You know. They totally could have named it Stuttering Boy on <laughs> In Court for His Life. Starring Much Chris Elliott. Stuttering, Stuttering Boy just sounds like a Chris <laughs> Elliott character. So anyway, this got me thinking about um, the worst endings in films. Oh, the worst endings We've talked, films. We've well, there's so many that are like, oh, what's the best ending? Right, right, that right. Kind of stuff. We've talked about some bad endings in terms of TV shows. Yes. When Lost ended, you know, we talked about things like Seinfeld and, and mm-hmm. Sopranos and whatnot. So it got me thinking about what were some re- some endings of films that were really just poor or disappointing and how maybe they could be improved. Right. Are there any that jump off the top of your head as films that were kind no, of not great at the not end? At the, not off the top of my head. Like a film, you, you don't mean a film that's been bad all over. Like it was a pretty good film, but then at the end you're just kind of like, yes. really? Well, that's how they ended? for most of them. There's one of them in my list that's bad all over. Well, let, let's hear your list. Okay. Uh, Castaway. Castaway, mostly on the island and all right. that stuff. He gets home and it's like, Helen Hunt's moved on, yeah. and he, you know, it doesn't really get resolved, and he ends up going somewhere, and he delivers oh, yeah. his package, he and he's at the crossroads. Yeah, 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 it was yeah. just like, for, for how good that the, the cinematography was when he's on the island and by himself for all that time, I guess I understand the idea of coming home and not being, oh, you're back, I love you, it's right. all happy, but ah, that's, it was just pretty disappointing, I thought. So do you think it should have ended like with him getting picked up off the island and that's kind of it or something? Well, I don't know. Maybe, maybe... Or did you um, want to see this, his readjustment into society and... Possibly, or maybe at the end, it's kind of like um, in Shawshank Redemption where you get back to the real world and you can't really adjust. Maybe he goes back to the island and decides to live there for the rest of his life. And see, no one would buy that. For no? no? No. Or... I mean, does some kind of thing where he's like, I can't, I can't adapt to this real world. I have to go. I have. To, you Maybe know. you see him like paddling back to an island, and then they pull back, and it's just like in a lake or something. Mm, that's not bad. That I could buy. Or he goes to work for like Wilson Volleyball Making Company, or, or something? like UPS. He's like, f these FedEx planes. <laughs> okay, um, we've talked about this before. Contact. Is one of the famous ones for being disappointing. And I know you haven't seen I it. I haven't seen it. There are a couple of these you haven't seen. Uh, Contact was very well built up to the point where it's like, okay, this machine's going to work, you know, and it finally works, and she's going to go see aliens or whatever it is she's going to see. Right. And then it's like she sees the image of her dad or whatever it is, and it's really lame. And, and, and you know, sometimes it feels like in films they are built up to the point where you it's like how could you possibly match the expectation of right. what's been built up. But I feel like in the movie Signs, yeah, starring currently super popular Mel Gibson, yeah, um, there was all that buildup of, oh, is it aliens? Is it someone else? And they, they actually sacked up and showed the aliens. Right. And I think that earned a lot of respect. Other than Silence of the Lambs, can you name a good Jodie Foster movie? Taxi Driver. Yeah. She has okay. a small role in it. Yeah. Oh, I forgot about that one. Uh, what's the one on the plane? Flight Plan? No. Uh, Panic Room? Panic Room starring uber awkward Kristen Stewart? Nah. She's I mean, I haven't seen Context, so I can't just blame her, but I feel like... I don't know if I've seen a good Jodie Foster movie. Maverick? 
Maverick's pretty good. Also starring. Yeah. Super popular Mel Gibson. <laughs> yeah. Do you feel like she is way over over acclaimed? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I totally do. Interesting. Well, is it plus, just because she's not attractive? <laughs> that's a big part of it. <laughs> what did she do before Silence of the Lambs? Well, I feel like, like I know that wasn't her first movie. Yeah, I mean, but yeah, I'm seems... trying to think of some other ones that were. There was like Nell. No, that was after. And what's the one? Maybe that's the one I'm thinking of. Well, if the kid doesn't speak properly, is that Nell? No, Nell is the like lake person that doesn't speak or something, right? There was some. There's one with a kid. I don't remember. Here's my thing. I think Jodie Foster not really my top actress. I think it's a knee jerk. Like Silence Lamps is great. And maybe she wrote the coattails of the story and the director and Anthony Hopkins or whatever. So it's like, oh, great. She's awesome. We'll give her an Oscar. And then from, you know, from that point on, she's Academy Award winner Jodie well, Foster. I, I really do think that carries a lot of weight. I, I think once you win one of those, it's like being president. You'll always be president. Whatever. Right. But see, that's why I don't like the knee jerk. I think after two or three consecutively good roles, then maybe you give Jodie Foster the Oscar. But mm, just for saying. one thing, then she's got that title and she doesn't really deserve it. But I think that you're right in saying that, like, I think she came into Sansa Limbs with already some acclaim, and I'm not sure why. Taxi Driver? Freaky Friday? She's pretty young in Taxi Driver, she which gives have, you some acclaim, like Natalie Portman in Professional. She but. must have done some things in the 80s I'm just not thinking of. Yeah. And I'm sure I haven't seen Cocaine. <laughs> yes. Well, we all were like that in the 80s. <laughs> I know I was. Anyways, Jody During Foster. Saga of Dead Dog Gulch all oh, the time. Coked out of your mind. Okay, Return of the Jedi. I'm going to say it. Return of the Jedi. Not a good ending, huh? Uh, do you know how that movie ends? Yeah. Death Star blows up. They have a bonfire. And it ends with a shot of... Ghosts? The Ewoks all like dancing oh, in the Ewoks forest dancing. and everything. The Yub Nub song. <laughs> Yub Nub song. <laughs> um, yeah. It, you know... All the stuff with I'm your father, and I mean that was earlier, but like, you know the the final resolution with the emperor and, yeah. and Vader and all that stuff. But then, and that's the problem of some films is throwing in that stuff at the end. Like as a kid, I loved the Ewoks; it was cool. My mom made me an Ewok Halloween costume. Yeah, but in, I would love to see that. But in retrospect, really, yeah, the, the, Ewoks? the Ewoks were uh, not completely necessary, but I I still think that was a good movie. I'm not saying it wasn't and a good I think movie. It, and I think it was a good ending. Like, like, uh, uh, what was the, the third Lord of the Rings movie? That's the next one on my list. That one, and, and I was not super into it, you know, um, but Despite I saw Despite the it, fact that you're a huge Lord of the Rings nerd. I'm a huge Lord of the Rings nerd. No, my dad is, so I saw it with my I dad. Think, don't you speak, uh... Crap, I don't know. Elvin? Hobbit? Elvin? I can't, even, yeah, I can't even think of what it would be called. <laughs> I saw it with my dad, and I remember that movie, and like I said, I wasn't super into it, but it felt like there were so many places in the last 45 minutes, maybe, where I was like, okay, this is the end, fade to black, no, what? There's more? Okay, now he's got to go to the elven lands and say goodbye. Okay, we're done. Nope, now he's got to go. Oh, now it's back to the hobbit land, and the guy likes the girl, and they're dancing. Yeah, it was like, just fucking, just end it already, you know? I wonder if we go back to Return of the Jedi, if there's some of that in there. But we were so young when There's, it came out that we don't really remember. Well, you've seen it since you were eight, right? I mean, I can't, I can't tell you the last time I saw it. Here's, here's how it ends in my memory. You know, all the fighting, both the the lightsaber fighting, and then also the the ships blowing up, and everything. Death Star blows up. They all reconvene in the village where everyone's like celebrating, and they have the bonfire, and like Obi Wan and the ghosts wave at him, and like that's it. I think it was a pretty clean, pretty tight ending. 
We'll have to go to the clips to see if we're gonna, that's actually yeah, we're gonna true. Have to. Um, now, I hesitate to, to throw this one in there because I've hyped this movie to you and you still haven't seen it. And um, I love this movie. I think it's great. Okay. But I think the ending is a little weird. It, it's kind of humorous in to some degree. But for a lot of it, it doesn't really wrap things up in the way that I like it. Oh, A Walk in the Clouds with Keanu Reeves? <laughs> the movie is Magnolia. Ah, okay. That's and I, and I don't want to give away what happens because I want you to have the WTF moment when it does happen. Yeah. Um, but that's one to be on the lookout for. Bad ending. Mm, just, yeah, weird... Uh, disappointing, okay. and I, I think maybe maybe the deal with some of these, like Return of the, like, you know, most of these are good films, right. really good films, and so it's you know when ninety five percent of the film is great, it's kind of hopeful that you'll the last five minutes will be great as well, and when it's not, that adds to the disappointment because so much of it was good. Right. My last one. Okay. This was the one that was not great, really at any point in the film. But especially at the ending. Okay. Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Uh, yeah, that was not great. All of, I can't even remember the ending. But I remember uh, it was not remember great they go to the thing and it ends up being a spaceship. Well, yeah. That flies away or some crap like that. Yeah. Yeah. What the hell? I thought I thought you meant like the actual ending, ending of the movie or something. Well, that's essentially that the, ending? the ending. Yeah. Okay. Like they make it to the thing. They kill Kate Blanchett, and this spaceship flies up out of the middle of nowhere. And right. Yeah. Awful. Like, what? That Yeah, that whole movie. <laughs> Just did not need to be made. I'll it tell was, you it was like It was like if you and I sat here going, we should go to the playground at DPM, our elementary school, and like, go down the big twisty slide. It's going to be so awesome. We loved it when we were kids, blah, blah, blah. And we get there, and like, we do it, and we're like, that sucked. Okay. Yeah, that's how I feel about Indiana Jones. It's something you remember from oh, a kid, I see. like it was so, so great. great. Yeah. And so then because of those memories, you're like new Indiana Jones, like it'll be awesome to see him. He's a little older now, but you know, so are we and blah blah blah, it'll be great. No. Just from like the first minute after the song ended from the credits, nothing good. Also, in your scenario, we yeah. go back to DPM and Shia LaBeouf's there. Yes. I think you have to add Taking that. a huge dump on the twisty slide. <laughs> you have to add that into it. Now, is is that Shia LaBeouf's new role, just to crap on 80s movie franchises? Because there's a new Wall Street right. with Michael Douglas oh, and yeah. Shia LaBeouf. Can't be good. And and if you look at how much Harrison Ford has aged, Michael Douglas, at least right up there with him. Yeah. Don't you think? Oh, yeah. Uh, Transformers? Sort of an 80s phenomenon. Yeah. That was shat upon by, well, there was an, by there the was an 80, There was a film. It was animated. Right? But yeah. yeah, I believe it had uh, the music of Steve Perry slash Ooh, Journey in it. I think it might have. Yeah, I'm fairly certain. The beef is sort of like uh, Diddy is to music. Mm. And that he takes things that maybe you liked and samples them or sequels them or whatever. And now you hate them. My favorite thing about Diddy right now is that he's on Twitter. Do you follow him? Because, no, because Jeffrey Ross follows him. Yes. Do you ever see these? Yeah. Where he makes fun of him? Yeah. So he'll, he'll respond to him and just, you know, Diddy will be like, whatever it is he says, and Ross will just rip him all the time, and I love it. That's yeah. like... That would be worth that, it. That is the one thing that makes me really happy about Diddy being around. Right. Aside from that, there's nothing. Right. So my way of fixing 
the end of the Indiana Jones movie. Yeah. You kill you kill the buff. You kill, kill the, the beef. Kill the beef. And then at least I get to applaud at the end. It'll right. be the opposite of these other movies where it's great, 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 great crap at the end. This is crap, 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 crap. Kill the buff at the end. I'm cheering. I'm standing up and I'm applauding and hooting and hollering. You know, uh, two things. One that frightens me and that I hope the, the failure or perceived failure of that movie would kill is that I thought I read, like, if this does well, LaBeouf is the next Indiana Jones. Oh. Like, Indiana I, Jones 5 is just the beef. I, I wouldn't go. I, I wouldn't. True. I mean, I, I went... I guess I was hesitant in some way, but I went. I was like, okay, Indiana Jones, I'm going. Right. I'm definitely going. I was looking forward to it. But if they say Indiana Jones... Even if it's just Harrison Ford and no LaBeouf, I don't think I'll go. I might go just because I think they would... They would be aware. It's sort of like, uh, not to compare the two franchises, but I read also that a big reason that Ocean's 13 got made is that Ocean's 12 like wasn't that good. And they wanted a kind of like a better send-off or something. But if you remember around the time when the Indian Jones movie was being made, they said we waited so long because it wasn't all right. We wanted to all have our stories together yeah, and have this great story. Yeah. And it's like, this is the piece of crap that we were waiting all these years well, I for? Think, I think that means those excuses were bullshit. I guess. It but was just George Lucas there, was too busy with If the there's Star any Wars semblance of and, truth, this yeah. is the best story they've come up with? Well, right. I'm sorry, sirs. Then there's no way I'm going. Here's the other thing. For the young uh, apprentice, whatever, instead of the beef, why wasn't it short round? Because huh? Short Round's like 35 right now. They brought back the girl from the first one, bring back Short Round. I think I think we, we would be terrified to see what that guy looks like right now. Yeah. I would well, love to see We it. could find out. We'll just go to Megan's Law. He's, he's probably hanging out with uh, the kid who was Boys Have Penises, Girls Have Vaginas kid, who's like <laughs> all pierced and like on drugs and stuff now and, and trying uh, to kill himself. And the younger brother from Family Ties. Yes. Those three are hung out, hanging out and yeah. they're... Uh, yeah, riding the Corey Haim, Corey Feldman train. I thought it was be meth train, but yeah. You know what? Oh, God, I can't remember who it was. There was someone that I saw on TV the other day, and I thought they looked like Corey Feldman. And this is a terrible story right now because I can't remember who it is. Oh, um, when I went to Katie see Kirk. when I went to see Switchfoot okay. uh, last year or whatever, earlier this year maybe. Um, the band that opened was called Paper Tongues. Okay, and they've actually started to come up a little bit. Um, their song during the All Star Game, they played it. It's called "Ride to California." Don't ruin it's... it for me. I still haven't watched the All Star Game. Okay, <laughs> it's on. It's on. Um, it's on the list. And uh, anyway, I've heard that song be played many times. It's not my favorite of theirs. They were just on Jimmy Fallon, and I recorded it, and they were playing that song and everything. And the lead singer, who's great, full of energy, very good showman, great crazy voice. He kind of looks like a more ethnic, darker version of Corey Feldman. Huh. We'll have to look it up after yeah, the podcast and, uh, and see what it looks like. But uh, I'm glad I remembered because otherwise I would have had Feldman on the brain for no reason. That, yeah. <laughs> that, yeah, that story did uh, had a comeback when you remembered the, yeah, the punchline of it. Yeah. But yeah, Paper Tongues. Check it out, people. Check it out. That's people. my that's my plug. You heard it here first. That's right. Maybe unless you watch Jimmy Fallon, honestly. <laughs> so probably. So not. probably. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why we're mocking uh, Jimmy Fallon's audience. Well, he's not nearly it's as successful least, as us. At least it's at least twice of, of ours. <laughs> All right. Um, wow, forty minutes. Talking Went longer movies. than I thought. Talking movies and how great Sacramento is and anti beef. 
And Tom Berenger. And Tom Berenger. Now that's a podcast. That's a podcast. I can't wait to get around to California. Cause it makes sense to go to California. And Hollywood is ready to tell us go to California. Cause it makes sense to go to California.